friends, it's Renee from Big Stick Energy. I'm joined today by my co-host and bestest pal, Tori Anderson, with episode 43 of uh, Big Stick. So stoked to bring this one to you. New things that out of collective that are happening last week, um, rotating with us on, on Tuesdays, is Michelle Parker's new show. It's called Care Less, Do More. She interviewed Shannon Corsi, who was um, one of the main founders of Nexus Films. So following up on that episode, timing could not be better. We are interviewing one of the athletes in the movie, Kristen Norman. I saw the, pro, uh, the um, preview for the film, the teaser video, whatever you, whatever you call it. And I thought this looks sick i like this idea the production level looks amazing and kristen's been someone i've been following for quite a while so we chatted with her a little bit about her segment and why it's important what it means to her how it came about she just saw the film for the first time the night before we interviewed her so kind of cool to hear her reactions to it as well as just who, who she is. She's pretty sweet. She started a bunch of scholarships with She Jumps. So we talk a bit about these snowpack scholarships, as well as um, you know what, what it's like to be an athlete and balancing that with full-time work, which speaks to my soul because I feel that what does an athlete look like is something that we keep chatting about and we will not stop chatting about. So before we get into this episode, we are going to do a few ads. So hold in tight, got some discount codes for y'all, and uh, then we'll get going here. The right balaclava or face mask can complete your kit when you're out on the mountain, and it's something that I love to add to my monochrome fit. So I always look for a company that offers heaps of graphics, patterns, and styles, but I also love to prioritize sustainability and functionality in my brand choice. And Functionwear kind of meets all of that criteria. They develop products to be functional, sustainable, and fashionable. They have a huge array of graphics and patterns, so it means you can pick the right one for you. Uh, their sustainability is what really sticks out to me though on average they recycle about six bottles in each of their products they reduce their water consumption by 50,000 gallons through recycling and in 2021 they diverted 10,000 pounds of scrap plastic from landfills that's a pretty big deal um, if you want to check out this array of buffs, balaclavas, headbands, all that jazz to get you ready for the season, head to their website, www.functionwear.com and use the code out of bounds for 10% off. Check it out. I don't know about you guys, but I've always wanted to have a James Bond style gear room with all of my gear displayed perfectly on the wall, which means you have to have the perfect wall mounting accessories. Otherwise, it looks like an absolute mess. And we just partnered with a new company that has created the perfect wall mounting accessory. It's called Gravity Grabber. It's basically this super sleek wall mount where you put your skis up or snowboard. It also works with snowboards, which is super great. It pops up, drops down, and it locks them in so that they're secure and they look super slick. They come in a blue color, black, even pink if you wanna spice up your gear room a little bit. Um, it helps you protect your drywall so landlords don't get mad and it also prevents you from having to come up with these individualized, unique kind of wall mounting options for skis and boards that don't really work. But highly recommend checking them out. 
they're the bomb.com. Um, if you want to grab one for yourself, maybe a couple, depends how big your quiver is, you can head to www.gravitygrabber.com and use the code out of bounds for 15% off. Winter is coming and I am excited to be doing some camping in my partner's Go Fest Camper pop-up canopy tent. So we need to get our winter kit ready. And that means I have to have some uh, basics in there. One of them is my rumple blanket. You don't know how cold it's gonna get. It's good to have that extra uh, layer of warmth when you get back from ski touring and you're gonna camp out for the night. And the other one is the pack towel. Uh, just makes like cleanup easy if I wanna like wash my face afterwards. Um, in the summer, if you wanna jump into a lake after mountain biking, you're just ready to go, it's lightweight. And on top of that, Rumpel does a really good job of prioritizing sustainability, durability, and also just a cute blanket that you can take with you. Um, they make all of their blankets with the same technical materials in premium outdoor gear and activewear. Uh, they want to introduce the world to better blankets, but also with sustainability, they recycle over 5 million plastic water bottles a year and offset their carbon footprint significantly. They're weather resistant and most importantly, cozy. Um, they're good for the outdoors, the couch, like I said, they're staple in my kit. If you want to jump on it and, uh, grab one for yourself, head to their website and use the code out of bounds for 15% off eligible products. Thank you to all of our sponsors for sponsoring today's show, for keeping us going. And without further ado, here is episode 43, Kristen Norman dropping in three, two, one. Okay, well, I guess, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. Might as well um, jump into it, so. <laughs> yeah, my, so my name is Kristen Norman, and I am a coffee quality specialist for Starbucks is kind of like my main gig, but obviously I'm a skier, I rock climb, I mountain bike, I love being outside. Um, and yeah, I'm generally really interested in getting women outside too. So, um, I've done a lot of volunteer work for She Jumps over the years. So I think I've been volunteering with them for about seven years now. Sick. I like, I kind of love that you started with like the Starbucks thing. I was like, people are going to hear that and be like, who dis? Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but yeah. I feel like, I feel like anyone we interview is so like multifaceted, especially like women in the industry, because, you know, we can't sustain ourselves off of industry things, unfortunately. So it's like, yeah. what else do totally. you do? <laughs> it's so funny. funny. <laughs> Before we started, I was talking to Kristen about this and I was like, yeah, Tori will totally acknowledge this, but. Tori is the kind of person that cannot survive without her coffee in the morning and you don't want to meet her without her coffee. Like she's a total coffee person. She'll love this job. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, coffee is definitely something that I'm really passionate about. Obviously it's like how I start my day too. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm pretty, pretty much a big fan. Like I love water, but like with water you can make coffee and you can also make beer. And I think those are kind of the three most important beverages. Um, they kind of, yeah, just keep, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they're tied in a lot with the outdoor communities too. I feel like people are pretty into coffee and beer as well. Um, so it just kind of fits into my life nicely. And then, yeah, there's, I could get into like more science things too, but um, they both are fermentation products also, which I think is pretty cool. 
We, we like low key love science things on this. Like we're like big, like research science geeking out. Like we're huge nerds. We got feedback that like, we're like, we give off like the cool kid vibe. And I was like, does anybody actually listen to our show? Like we're both just massive nerds, but we love the science factor. Totally other side note, when you said that it was just like, like water and then you can like make this. And it's like, I don't know why, but I really wanted to sing like, it's the circle of life because like for every skier out there, it's like wake up, coffee, water through the day and the day with the beer repeat. Yep. Yep. That's a good way to do it. The circle of beverages. If you even drank water through the day, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Going from the sea level right now, I'm in Colorado and I definitely was feeling that last night as I was drinking a beer where I was like, I need to drink water because I'm dehydrating as I stand here <laughs> so that's a vibe damn um <laughs> well you know what I brain farted Renee you should ask the next question because I feel like I just expended all brain cells on the circle of life <laughs> I feel like there's a few different places we could go here I mean let's start off with the fact you have a really cool nine to five type of job so you work full-time mm-hmm. but you're also doing all this other really rad shit so how, how do you do it? How, how does this work? Because Tori yeah. and I also work full time and we very regularly burn out. So like maybe you know a secret that I don't. <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of questions about this recently. Um, just like how I'm able to balance a lot of stuff. And I think for me, a lot of the ex, I guess you could call it extracurricular things that I'm interested in doing. Once I start them, I, I have to finish them. Um, So I usually don't start them until I feel like I have all the resources and planning done that I need to, to like actually make it happen. Um, Because I want to, I want to do all the things I do really well. So if it takes away from my nine to five job, then that's not okay. But then if it takes away from like my fun skiing, that's also not okay. Um, So just trying to balance things. Honestly, I end up cutting out. um, I don't sleep enough. I, I think I probably got, get on average like five to six hours of sleep a night, which is not okay. Um, my husband is actually um, not very happy about like my sleeping schedule. He constantly is trying to get me to be better at sleeping. Um, but I think I, I just try and squeeze in so many things after I finish work. Um, I feel like I have a list that's never ending. So try and get as much done as possible and then still try and get some sleep um, and then kind of wake up to do it all again. Um And then, yeah, I think I'm just a very organized person. Maybe it's because, I don't know, I, yeah, I I just, I think my brain is just really organized. So I try and section things out and make sure that I can do it all. Have you ever burnt out? Yeah, a little bit. So, um, so going into talking about She Jumps volunteer work. um, So I, I started the Snowpack Scholarship Program, which is, it originally started as um, focused on avalanche education. So bringing area level one courses, which is kind of like the first iteration of formalized avalanche education in the US, um, bringing scholarships to women so that they can actually take these courses without paying for them. And specifically women of color, trying to encourage them to recreate in the backcountry safely, get their education, um, but also have better access to snow sports in general. Um, I've been running this program. So this is the fifth year of the program this year, which we just 
launched the applications um, about six days ago on October 1st. And this is the first year that I'm actually not running the program. Um, so I'm working as an advisor for Snowpack now, um, or for She Jumps for this Snowpack Scholarship Program. And a big reason is that I, I have just felt so overwhelmed with how many different scholarships there are. It went from being 30 scholarships to this year there are 84 scholarships. Um, and so trying to coordinate scholarships as I live in Seattle, Washington, in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado. Um, we did some on the East Coast once. We did some in California once. It's just like has become this thing that is, um, I can only process so many like multi, I don't know. Yeah, it's just too many moving parts, like coordinating with guiding services, also getting emails from the applicants or from people receiving the scholarships um, who like had just like circumstances come up or needed to move their dates or got injured or had life happen. Um, so just coordinating all of that just became too much um, for volunteer work. So it just became another full-time job. Um, so I definitely got a little burnt out on just the whole running of the program over the, especially last year. So yeah, um, but I think, I think a big thing for me is I've focused on trying to put the program in a place where it will be successful in the future. Um, so this year, I actually, with the help of my friend, Yulia, who helps me run the program. So she's done kind of like the application side and then also just like helping keep me sane over the years. Um, she and I basically logged all of our hours and got She Jumps to hire a staff member to be paid and actually run the program. So now there's someone who's actually dedicated to focus on snowpack um, and that person can actually like have dedicated time and they get compensated for their time. So it's, it's a really cool thing to see that being possible and it was really neat to kind of lay the groundwork for that. That's a huge accomplishment. 84 scholarships. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Pretty wild. And I can see how that would add up to being a lot of work because you're, it's like you say, so many moving parts to organizing something like that. Like we did an AST scholarship for one person and that was like four or five of us inputting into how we would select the person and then actually like putting out the application and what that would look like and, and reviewing the applications and choosing someone and then figuring out like how to th then get them reimbursed for it. And like that, yeah, I, it's a lot. we did that with <laughs> multiple people for one scholarship. So I'm just sitting here, I'm like, damn, respect. <laughs> like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You said 84 and like, I wasn't even involved in the project and I was just like, my brain started going through all the different <laughs> factors that you would have to organize to like yeah make that happen that's bananas that's freaking sick though like it's super sick yeah this you reduce so many barriers by like offering that money to people to help them get into the sport and like pursue a career or pursue their goals like that's freaking huge yeah so you should be like I, yeah. I'm so proud of it it's honestly it's something that I also I feel like I haven't been able to let it go because it's like it's like Your baby it's this baby but it's also sort of this monster that I created because like once once I started it I was like how am I ever gonna like not run it because I care a lot and I think that it's a really cool program that is actually changing 
the access for women to snow sports. Um, it also expanded to include an Icon Pass scholarship. So each year we've given um, like 10 to 15 Icon Pass um, Icon Passes away to women of color. And then we've also gotten some brands to donate ski gear to for those folks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super cool to think about and I'm excited for someone new to kind of lead the direction and sort of lend like a fresh perspective to it and excitement and, um, but then still be able to advise and kind of help with like any of those complicated things, you know, there's stuff you don't think about that I now think about because I've had to deal with it. So definitely that experience is like invaluable, especially in like an entrepreneurial, you know, like a lot of it is like the first like maybe 10 years of being an entrepreneur this is obviously like a scholarship aspect but like for a typical like you know product like service revenue model that's not like giving scholarships the average uh like venture doesn't make money for about 10 years or something Mm -hmm. like that and like it's usually like putting out fires before you can really get to like thriving because you don't realize that there is something that's a threat until you have to put out the fire. So that experience is like so invaluable. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, you know what I want to do for a career? I like Loki want to like tell people what to do and then watch the beauty happen, but just be like the person that like checks it off at the top. I know that sounds really weird, but it's like my dream job. So I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of cool. um, Yeah. To be able to almost like advise. I guess like the only other job I can think of, for that is like a wedding planner or something where you're like, this is how your wedding's going to be and I'll organize it and you just show up. (laughs) Yep. Valid wedding. I never would have like, that's not the first thing that would have popped into my head, but that is such a uh, true analogy. (laughs) I don't know why it popped into my head. Like I got married this past spring and that's probably why like a tiny ass wedding that I did not organize. And we told everyone a month before it happened. So (laughs) yeah. Biggest thing I want to ask to promote the scholarship is like, how do people find this? How do they like apply for it? What's the process there and deadlines and all that jazz? Yeah, so um, the scholarship application exists on the She Jumps website. So if you go to shejumps.org slash snowpack, um, the, the whole application is there. And so there, there are programs in a few different states this year. So we're bringing the program to Utah for the first time which is really cool. And it's actually where She Jumps was founded. So kind of cool to bring it back to its roots. Um, And then we'll have offerings in Oregon, Washington, um, and then Washington, Utah, and Colorado this year. Um, But yeah, uh, the deadline is, I think it's, um, we're basically giving three weeks to apply. So I don't have the calendar in front of me. I wanna say like October 25th is when it closes. Um, and so we're closing it a little earlier than normal. We normally keep the, the application open until the end of October, but this year we're trying to get a little bit ahead because a lot of folks, at least for the Icon Pass scholarship, um, want to be able to like figure out how, like if they need to try and find a different way to get a season's pass um, and not kind of leave them hanging until like the last moment because a lot of pass prices go up. So trying to get uh, notifications to all of the recipients out sooner than later. So before kind of like Thanksgiving time for sure. So I'm um, trying to give responses back by mid-November to everyone who applies. And the whole application process is really focused on for the avalanche side, like we want 
people to apply who are um, have some experience in snow sports because we realize to get into backcountry skiing or snowboarding or snowshoeing, like you're probably not the right person if you've never even done those things to to go into the backcountry. Um, that's something that should be um, in a more safe environment, maybe on like a small hill or um, at the ski resort. But then um, kind of just making sure that we understand why people need help financially or with life circumstances and kind of just get an idea of how people really will use their education to better the community. So I think a big thing for us with the program is making sure that people understand like, hey, me as someone recreating in the backcountry, all the decisions that I make could affect all the people around me and make sure that they understand that and are also interested in just giving back in the future. I think that's a big thing for me is I want I want um, to kind of foster people being really invested in their communities and being lifelong skiers, but also um, contributing to making it better for everyone in the future, um, which we've definitely seen a lot of the recipients move on to, um, to go do really cool t- things themselves. Um, like we've had, um, some of the snowpack recipients gone to found their own scholarship programs or start like PSIA training regimen for women of color and just going through and seeing how it's kind of impacted people and maybe made other women realize like, Hey, like someone made this opportunity for me, I could try and do this for other people too. And I, I think that's kind of what I would love to see. Um, but then obviously just also getting people the education they need. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I'm wondering, how did you get started skiing? Like, how long have you been skiing? You say you ski crystal mostly, but um, mm-hmm. what is your history with getting into skiing in the first place that has now given you this passion to get others into it and build community? Yeah, so I've actually been skiing for about 29 years. Um, I started skiing when I was almost three and my parents are skiers. They actually met on a chairlift. Um, my older brother is a skier too. So we just grew up skiing. My family really prioritized it because it was something that um, we could all do together and just like spend time on the weekends together when I was growing up. Um, I actually competed in skiing for a long time. So I used to ski race up until I was about 10 years old. I did freestyle skiing. So I competed in moguls and aerials and acro skiing um, when I was pretty young. Acro is also called ballet skiing. It doesn't really exist anymore, but it is still pretty pretty fun to kind of whip out sometimes. Um, and then when I was in college, I kind of just stopped. Um, high school and college, I stopped competing because I wanted to focus on school, um, but I just skied for fun. And I actually ended up starting to coach freeride skiing um for the Reno Freeride Club um I grew up in Lake Tahoe and went to high school in Reno and so that was kind of like a fun way to to have like another reason to go skiing in a way but then also to contribute to my skiing community and get people psyched on freeride skiing um when I moved to Seattle so I went to school in Colorado and just skied for fun out here I moved to Seattle and um didn't really have a ski community at all when I first moved here. Um, 
yeah, Seattle's kind of funny because you'd, you'd think it, like, Seattle people are really outdoorsy, um, but not necessarily everyone's a skier because, like, you're pretty close to Puget Sound, which is basically the ocean um, and salt water. And so people don't really think about the fact that the mountains have snow. Um, so not a ton of people ski. When I moved to Seattle, I couldn't actually afford to pay for a season's pass. Like my first job out of college was at a cancer research center and they did not pay very well at all. Um, so not only was I like paying student loans, I was trying to like figure out how to have fun or like do outdoors things. Um, I was also coming off of a pretty bad back injury from rock climbing. Um, so I'd just gotten out of a back brace. Um, I had like medical bills to you to pay and skiing was just something that I couldn't pay for. Um, so my parents actually ended up bringing me home for Christmas. And the only time I got to ski the year that I moved to Seattle in 2012 was because my parents bought me lift tickets to go skiing. Um, so I think for me, a huge thing was just like, how do I save money to be able to go ski? Um, just cause it's so expensive. Uh, yeah. And then I think like my first seasons pass I could afford in the Seattle area was because they had like a young person's like under 26 year old discounted ski pass for Snoqualmie. And so I bought that one year. And then there was another year after that, that like the max pass had a really big sale. And I don't know if max pass exists anymore, but I bought that and it had like days at Crystal and days at Snoqualmie. And then I was able to use some days like to travel to visit my family too. Um, but that kind of opened up Crystal as being like this place that I wanted to ski more because I really loved the train there. And I ended up meeting some friends who mostly skied at Crystal too. Um, and yeah, after that, I actually was like, how do I pay for a Crystal Pass? Because it at the time was like around $900 for a season's pass there. And I was like, I can't afford to spend that money. Um, I ended up finding out that some of my friends that I had met through um, just like other sports and um, just like as ski people were coaching free ride skiing at Crystal. And so I was like, really interested in learning more about that and met with the head coach. And he was like, we would love to have more female free ride coaches. And so I ended up coaching free ride skiing at Crystal for three seasons. And that helped me get like an employee pass. Um, yeah. And then most recently I got asked to be a part of like the Crystal ambassador team. Um, and then now I'm actually a part of the Icon Pass crew. Um, so kind of has just like developed over the years through different like relationships and friendships that we built. That's really cool because I think that the being able to afford a pass dilemma really strikes true for a lot of people. And Tori and I, being university students for so long, both had to kind of figure out a way how we we're going to do it. And for me, it was getting on an ambassador team. And I figured it out myself. Well, one, I worked as a ski patroller before I went back to school. But when I went back to school the second time, I was like, okay, like I see that this resort has a university ambassador team. How do I get on that? Because I know this resort, like the back of my hand after patrolling here, how does this work? And so I went through 
being an ambassador for Lake Louise and then being an ambassador for all three ski big three resorts and then also worked as a free ride coach as well as like ways to get a ski pass while I was not able to afford it because I was a student and I needed to save all my money just to be able to afford to actually get to the hill Mm -hmm. so Definitely like something that I think a lot of people do struggle with. And it's a huge barrier for a lot of folks. Like you were saying with these scholarships you do, like giving people icon passes and and gear and that just breaks down a whole barrier of how often someone's going to be able to get out. Because if you can only afford to spend $500 on skiing, well, you know, sometimes the resorts, depending where you're going, like Whistler Blackcomb is wild how much it costs to ski there you're only going to get two or three days for that much money in a whole season when a ski pass a season's pass is i mean in canadian an epic pass is thirteen hundred dollars i believe but if you can't put down the thirteen hundred dollars then you're stuck only skiing a couple days a year and that friggin sucks yeah for sure yeah it's it's definitely this challenge thing and i think Honestly, like the most unhappy winter I've had was the winter that I couldn't afford to ski at all, really. It was just, I don't know, it was really sad to realize like I just couldn't afford to go. Um, I didn't have my parents providing me with a season's pass, which I'm like endlessly thankful that they've just supported me in so many ways. But then, you know, like once you're once you're on your own and you're an adult and you have a job, um, but then a job that doesn't pay well, then it's like up to you. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely a tough thing to navigate. And another thing that was tough for me is just like, yeah, hearing about how great the season had been that year too. And people had like really awesome powder days. And I was like, I don't even know what Washington skiing is. Like, why did I move here? Um, and yeah, it turns out I just had to like figure it out, but it worked out in the end. So you went from not being able to afford a ski pass to now being an athlete for multiple ski areas. Um, how how does that work? Because I think it's easy as well for people to be like, oh, well, you know, now you just get a free ski pass. Well, that's easy. <laughs> but you also have to do work to get that ski pass. Exactly. It's not just free so then now you spend your days off doing athlete things mm-hmm. um and I guess athlete things can look different for anyone but what does being a athlete as well as someone who works full-time look like for you yeah yeah that is a good point to bring up for like getting a free quote-unquote ski pass it's not free nothing's really free um and I think that's something when work involves something that is um, seemingly like really cool or uh, something that most people would just associate with fun and not as work, um, but it's still work and it still requires talents also. And so that's something I've just been trying to remind myself is that all the work and all these things um, come with a cost and that cost is either talent or time or both um, and also like ideas. But um, yeah, for for me, the athlete work kind of came through probably through free ride coaching. So when I joined the Crystal Mountain free ride team, I was coaching youth athletes. 
Um, and through that, I had started meeting some of like the reps for different ski brands and for outerwear brands too. Um, a lot of them just like wanted to give product to have female coaches wearing their product. Um, and I think that's like a great way to feel support at the beginning is, you know, product that I would otherwise have to pay for to get a new jacket. Um, just like being supported with something to start out was really cool. Um, but then, yeah, basically through um, living in Seattle and actually attending some She Jumps events that were in collaboration with K2, one of the head of marketing folks, um, she invited me to be a part of like the K2 Ski Alliance, which is kind of their women's athlete program. And so I started out kind of doing like kind of like very low level athlete work with them. Um, but then as I met more people who worked for K2, I started doing ski development work. So I actually um, have now been attending ski tests and giving feedback on development of skis. Uh, so I've sort of been a little more behind the scenes as an athlete in the past. Um, but I think through the work that I've done, it's really turned into an opportunity to be a little bit more visible, at least for the community work that I'm doing. Um, so that's been really cool. But um, yeah. I think like, I think this is a, okay, first of all, I need to say that like Renee coached me in how to be like the broke athlete, basically. I was like, I'm she great was, at like, emails. You're, she's so good at emails. She was like, you should just like, apply for these things. Anyone. And then she just like <laughs> kind of helped me get into it. And then it just like snowballed. So I, one thing I want to say is like, like information guarding or like location guarding or just like knowledge guarding or whatever it's called is so harmful in this industry, especially for people that do have barriers to access. It's like increasing access to that information, how you can get into it, how you can like improve your sales pitch to these companies. And especially for like underrepresented groups, like that's huge. And like Renee has been like my sugar mama relative to <laughs> knowledge of the industry and it just kind of snowballed. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, totally like, I think this is a really good segue into one of the points that you brought up um, in the pre pre like interview, which is, you know, redefining what an athlete is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think um, that's, yeah, it's definitely something that I've been thinking about lately as I, especially as I've met more professional athletes and sort of also had to explain like who I am. Um, I don't really, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause like, I don't really consider myself a pro skier necessarily. Like I do professional work to ski, but like, I'm not like a super pro. I'm not like, I guess now I'm in a ski movie, which is kind of crazy, but um, it feels weird to kind of introduce myself that way. Cause I feel like I am very multifaceted, not to say that other ski professionals aren't, but that's not like my like main identity in a way. It's like just part of who I am. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting, especially so working for Starbucks actually um, applied to our elite athlete program recently. And I actually didn't get accepted into it because I'm not what people would consider like a traditional athlete athlete I don't compete at like an international level um like I do free ride world qualifier events occasionally but that's not like the main reason that I'm skiing and that's not like my well-being for skiing um but it is really interesting to think about kind of like this definition of what it means to pr 
be a professional skier and how a lot of people are kind of pushing that boundary now because I think there's obviously competition athletes and people who are like really pushing the sport to the next level but then there's people who are doing community work there are people who have just like unique voice voices that need to be represented also and then there's people who are kind of doing all those things and then there's also film athletes who maybe used to compete or maybe they never competed so I think there there's just like so many ways to be a professional athlete and I think people kind of get stuck in at least what I've seen and like what I've seen for ways to qualify is just that looking at, um, you know, competition results, which doesn't necessarily mean you're better than anyone else at something, but then maybe it's not about being better than anyone else. Maybe it's just being someone who's doing this and doing it really well. Yeah. Or filming. Filming is huge for that as well. There's a number of brands that I talk to and they'd be like, well, do you have a season edit? I'm like, well, no, like I don't have someone to film me. I don't have the means to edit something. Like I could put it together if I had help, but I, that's not something I've been able to do on my own. And even though you have all these other things, but I actually am like having my own like little thoughts as you're saying this of how uncomfortable that I get when people are like, oh, well, you're a pro skier. And I'm like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm not. And it makes me really yeah. uncomfortable because of what people identify as being a professional skier. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not that, but I, mm-hmm. I am something else. And like, yes, I, I'm a strong skier and I did compete and I did okay at it. And I've been in a movie and like, I can check those boxes, but I'm like, I, also have friends who are in the big movies and I'm like I'm not that yeah I I talk about skiing on the internet every other week and somehow people listen to it but (laughs) does that make me a pro skier and I've worked with resorts and this and that and I think like it's me discounting myself absolutely Mm. because of what we've decided is a pro skier the same way that we've decided what an athlete is and who looks like an athlete and who doesn't it's like my own little internalized it's like internalized misogyny but like internalized athletes athleticism I I don't know what you would call it you know I think it's internalized ableism it's like in order to belong in the space you need to have a specific ability yeah yeah, that probably that probably is a way better way of putting it because well, that's entire it's based off of your athletic ability what you yeah what you produce in 100%. like a competition result and filming type way is what most people consider pro skier I but also actually you probably make more money for brands doing other things sometimes that people mm-hmm. might not realize yeah yeah I also think like it's not even just like I don't know it's it's like the ability that you can ski at or like your your competency because there's a standard set in the industry. It's like only the experts, the creme de creme, like the mm-hmm. top crop get like all of these things. But then it's also how well you can walk the walk and talk the talk. So like, totally. what's your social media like? Like, what's your gear look like? Like, I know that I never felt 100% confident in any of my ski gear until I started getting like free stuff from sponsors and partners. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like I feel cool now. And it's like people turn their heads and they look at me and I was like, 
this is so fucked up. Like, what is even going on? Yeah. And you know, like from my perspective, like I found out I was autistic a year ago this month. And part of understanding that is like unmasking. So like pretending to be something that I'm not. And I study marketing and I've studied people my whole life because I've been trying to be like everybody else. And I had a realization in the ski industry probably about six or seven years ago when I moved to Wanaka where, well, actually I remember having that realization before that in Fernie, I was like, I am only going to post adventure photos on my Instagram from now on because these types of people get this type of recognition and they need to be at this type of quality. And okay. after that, it just became this curating aspect because it was like these types of people have rapport in the industry. This is the method and the formula that they use to get there. And I'm going to replicate that because I do not feel like I belong and I want to belong. And it got to the point where I was doing such a good job of basically faking it that like I couldn't sustain it anymore when I got burnt out, which was really interesting. And it's like I do love skiing. I love being outside. But because of masking, it was like I adopted. I learned this formula because there is a formula to belong in any space where there is a group that has power. Mm-hmm. And studying that, my little autistic ass was like, I can do this. And then <laughs> I did it. But I was like, this also isn't authentic to who I am. So now yeah. I'm trying to like unmask and balance it. But it is ableism. It's walking the walk, talking the talk. There are cultural norms and social norms in the industry and they dictate who belongs and who has value. And it is very complex in a cultural perspective, but yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that all because I definitely, like when I first joined, say like K2, I was like, how am I like having my face on like the K2 team website next to like Maggie Voison and like, like Colby Stevenson. And I'm like, I do not like my picture shouldn't be underneath that person's picture or above the other person's picture. Um, but yeah, just feel, like feeling like you're part of that and that you actually fit the mold is one thing, but then it's like, what is this mold that we've created and why does it have to be so strict to why can't there be multifaceted like ways of looking at how people are contributing to skiing. And I think that's something that I've really thought about. Like I'm, I'm not like pushing the level of women skiing personally. Like I'm not, you know, hucking my body off the cliff and trying to go bigger and bigger every year. I can't do that anymore. I'm too, too afraid of getting injured, honestly. Um, And then also just like, I'm not the next gen of like skiers, but at the same time, I think my contribution to skiing is really like this legacy I've built through the community work that I'm doing. And I've been trying to be more okay with feeling like I work professionally in the ski industry and I am recognized as a professional skier. And what does that mean? It doesn't have to mean one thing. It can be, mean many things. And it can mean that I am contributing to the ski community and kind of like making sure that the future of skiing is safe. Um, And so I'm trying to think of of that as like what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, which is so much more like authentic, actionable, meaningful. Like it it leaves more of an impact than a Tanner Hall. Let's Mm -hmm. be honest, he hasn't really left much good. Sorry, I'm not going to beef him anymore in this podcast because it seems to be a topic. But (laughs) yeah, we we had internet qualms. So sorry, what were you going to (laughs) say? Oh, I was going to say, I, um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm definitely not a Tanner Hall. I actually used to, I I trained at water ramps with him at one point in my life. And I 
I don't want to be a Tanner Hall, but much respect for things he's done. Word. That was such an amicable <laughs> way to put that. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, if you think about it, like, um, and I keep having this conversation because the the concept of who belongs, Renee's going to slap me, popular culture, marketing. But it's like, I talk about this and I go into monologues and she's like, shut up. She hears it all the time. But to every guest, <laughs> it's a new topic. So, woo. Um, but the concept of like marketing, like before it was kind of selling like, the exclusivity of being an expert, like the unattainable dream of being a Tanner Hall or like something that you could never do, like the excitement, the adrenaline, like that's what ski movies were. And it's like, yo, none of us are going to be that. Literally like 99.5% of the industry is just happy to be here. Like, and sure. it's interesting to look around and see like who is here. And it's like, definitely not everybody. Like mm -hmm. how has this turned into a thing? Like it's just mostly like white dudes. And it's like, for sure. Yeah, I think it's important to have like many heroes or many, many people like that someone watching a film or just like getting stoked on skiing could could relate to. There's like the aspirational, like top level people. But then there's the people where you're like, oh, my gosh, like that person did something and like I want to do that, too. And I think I could do it myself. And um, kind of having, yeah, more like role models, like really good role models in the industry. And I think that's something that hasn't necessarily been a priority. Like skiers don't have to be like, I, I, yeah, it goes into so many things. Like a lot of skiers now are expected to be like social activists and other things. And it's kind of like everyone is different and people can put their efforts into different places, but like, yeah, there shouldn't be an expectation that anyone has to do anything to to be a part of it or to fit the mold um i don't know exactly what i'm trying to say there i think you just said it pretty yeah. much in that last <laughs> sentence <laughs> i think it makes sense and i've said this before and i'll say it again but there will always be a place for ski porn but what people are really yearning for these days is that like re more relatable media where they can actually like really identify and and latch on to something because watching ski porn gets you stoked. Like there is no doubt about seeing someone oh. ski a green line, a, a green line, <laughs> the opposite of a green line, a dream line, a dream line and do it really well is going to get you stoked. But that dream line also doesn't look the same for everybody. And so like seeing someone that also that looks like you doing a really cool line is something that hasn't always existed and having the storylines of people who have a life that maybe is similar to you people who have a job outside of skiing people who have maybe had a challenging upbringing like whatever that story is going to be getting that into ski movies I think has also been something I've really enjoyed over the last mm -hmm. year and and that's like kind of segues a little bit into talking about Nexus a little bit, because yeah. speaking of like being more visible in the ski world, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but this is an all women's film, which is something that like the only other all women's movie I know of is Lindsay Dyer's Pretty Faces, mm -hmm. which I downloaded ASAP. I've <laughs> watched it like a billion times because there's nothing else that existed like pretty faces until this year and then now we're just exploding with all of these different all girls projects but I think Nexus is probably like one of the biggest of the ones coming out this year and so you 
got to watch it for the first time yesterday. You oh. are in the movie. I, I don't even know what my question is. I just want to talk about this movie and how cool it is. And I guess like how, how did you get started with this movie and, and how did it come about for you is probably like a good place to start. And then we can just talk about every other yeah. aspect of it. So it's kind of funny. Um, so I actually pitched to the the directors and producers of Nexus to add uh, the story about my cousin Sasha and I and our sort of like family heritage and connection to skiing. Um, I pitched it to them and it was like, hey, uh, I think you're missing a story in your film and it's our story, um, which thinking back to how it all happened. So basically I, I dug at Red Bull formation and met Katie Lowe, who's one of the producers of Nexus. And she was filming with Michelle Parker in Brooklyn Bell. Um, and I just thought that she was filming with them for like some bike thing. And then later on, I found out she was doing kind of like an intro teaser for Nexus. Um, and I looked up what Nexus was and I got super excited, but then I, I definitely felt like there's something missing in terms of, like sort of calling out that connection to skiing like really for many people has to come through family first like it's really hard to get to the hill unless your family takes you there as a kid right because like how are you going to get to the hill how are you going to pay for it how are you going to drive to get there or get the gear um, and so for so many people, skiing comes from their family heritage. And then maybe as adults or as like teenagers, some people get into skiing later because it's something that people they meet do and they have interest in. Um, but I wanted to be able to share sort of like Sasha and I and how we became skiers and how we've stuck to it. But then the fact that we became skiers is really unique because our our moms actually escaped during the Vietnam War and are Vietnamese women. And so they had never even seen snow until they were in their late 20s. So the fact that they started skiing is just like, first of all, shocking, um, but really, really cool because they are now lifelong skiers and we are lifelong skiers because of that too. See, this is what I mean. It's the stories that like latch you in and you're like, whoa, that is really cool. Like, I think really cool is not, does not even do it justice because the story of someone who escaped such peril to come to a new place, see someone sliding on wood sticks on snow and be like, wow, that, that looks really, really cool. That looks really fun. I'm, I'm going to try that and then just love it the way that all of us love it is such a pure and inspiring story in its own right and then to have you guys fall in love with skiing in the same way like it, it definitely I like can't wait to watch this yeah it was really cool to see the whole film like so none of the athletes had seen the whole film until last night which is really special to be there all together um all the athletes were there um except Lucy Sackbauer couldn't make it unfortunately but um it was like so special to be in the same room together and all of us seeing it for the first time and just like like looking down the row at each other and smiling and like cheering for each other as we were watching each other's segments is really cool but just the way that 
the directors um, and producers wove it together. So like Shannon, Katie, Sophie, they did an awesome job putting it together and like really weaved all of our stories in um, and tied them in nicely. But, um, but yeah, it was, it's a really awesome film. It's beautiful. It's probably one of the most beautiful films I've seen in terms of the footage and like the quality of it and just the way that the stories are told, I think will, I think there's stories that people won't forget. A hundred percent. You're like your family. They're like, like those are the original disruptors. They were like, that looks dope. Fuck this. I'm going to do that. And they just mm -hmm. like sent it like that's freaking huge. And like, like this is a, I don't know, like a, a parallel example, um, I guess, or just like how representation, can you guys hear that? It sounds like someone's doing something weird at my house. So sorry. Oh, I can't um, hear it, so. You can't? Okay, no, great news. Good. Um, but like the, the whole controversy over uh, like the new, what is it? Like the, the real life Ariel remake where like the actor's black and there's like all these white men that are just like bleh, 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 and like they're so <laughs> angry about it. But then you see videos of like these like young black women and girls being like, she looks like me, like that's me, like mm -hmm. I could do that. And it's just like, you know, to like show up and just be like, fuck it, I'm going to send it. Like, I want to do this. Like, this is the bee's knees. Like those stories freaking matter. And people don't realize how much they matter and how much impact they have and how important they are to share. Like, yeah, it's so important. And just the fact that our moms were brave enough to go skiing in, first of all, like go, go skiing um, and stick with it and just be like some of the few women, if not, like Vietnamese women on the hill uh, is just crazy. Cause like, I definitely, I'll go and do things and feel like I don't belong here or like these people don't look like me or like I am sticking out like a sore thumb and just like feeling that discomfort. I can't imagine what they might've felt, but maybe they just didn't care and just wanted to be there. That's the vibe. Like so much respect that should be the vibe it's like mm -hmm. but it also takes so much strength to have that vibe and just like resilience and like i don't know i know like being autistic when i'm like doing something someone's like oh my god like good for you like i'm so proud of you and i'm like well that was belittling like i'm just existing like it shouldn't have to be like i'm you're proud of me or i'm brave or like good for you it's like i'm just a human being um but like the the context and like the struggle and the like, the resilience, I think, and the strength is really what comes through when things are against you. And like, you cannot discredit that. Yeah, super special. Um, it is. But, but yeah, the the filming of Nexus was really cool. So, um, so Sasha and I grew up on opposite sides of the country. Um, and one thing that was really neat was for us to come together as adults. So like we've mountain biked um quite a bit together for the past few years so Sasha um used to travel for the EWS and so she came out to Washington a couple times and rode bikes when she was living um in Idaho but uh she ended up moving to Washington this past year and uh this was actually filming was the first time we had skied together since we were little kids and so that was definitely like a really special thing to finally connect again as adults because 
when we were young, um, like she was in Vermont, I was in Tahoe and our moms like made it a point to do some family vacations, but um, really like it was special to kind of reconnect through biking first, but then being able to be on skis together again felt, um, it felt like it was very long overdue. Um, and it was like, yeah, it was very magical. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but it was nice. And I felt like the only bummer about us skiing together is like, I really wish our moms could have been there. Um, it was just like, was tough with COVID and travel and stuff, um, to get them to come join us as well. But that's something that would have kind of tied it in even more in my opinion would be like to be able to all ski together with our moms. So, Would you say that, that these aspects of strength, resilience, breaking the mold, is th that a theme that kind of goes throughout the entire movie? Because I like, we haven't seen it and I know there are other segments as well but it just seems like it's done to such a high production quality and they have a really good range of athletes from all the way up of michelle parker being that quintessential what you think of when you think of a pro skier mm -hmm. i have drooled over lines that michelle's Par parker skied and the way she has skied them because she just does it so well the way that yeah. she controls her speed the way that she is so tight and then she still can like hit these tricks off of these natural features like mm -hmm. you know, from yeah. the quintessential skier who has always been in a lot of films the only woman that is featured to now this whole film full of women with all these different stories who all have their own aspects of strength and resilience and how they got here like from the trailer that's kind of what I'm getting from it is that like Absolutely. more is that what I'm supposed to be getting here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's really awesome. So there, there are four segments. And then we also have um, two women who are XM guides who kind of like tie in the whole story. So they kind of break up each segment to kind of discuss like what's going to happen next in a way. Um, but yeah, strength and resilience is just like a huge theme for it. And just, yeah, breaking the mold and accepting like we all belong here and we all connect to each other through the mountains and through skiing. Um, and it's just like a special, special place to really celebrate having access to. Um, but then also as a way that we find peace. And I think that's something that um, is definitely showed with all of the different segments is like that feeling of like, like you might be in a place where like things are scary or you might have so much on your mind and so much stress in your life, but then there's always those moments of peace when you're on your skis where you kind of calm down and collect your breath and are able to just like go and ski. And I think that kind of comes through in all of the different segments, um, which is really cool. But yeah, I think it's just like fostering other, other women to be able to have people to look up to and also people to connect with through this film um just like showing different unique backgrounds like it's yeah it's super cool and super inspiring what does the release of this movie look like like when when will i be able to get to watch this whole thing <laughs> yeah so um so this film there's a there's a few showings that are happening at like film festivals but then it's actually going to be in an Arcteryx film tour. So Arcteryx is the presenting sponsor. 
uh, for the film and they have quite a few stops in the US and Canada for that film tour. Not all of the stops are showing Nexus, but it is one of the featured films at certain stops. So like I live in Seattle and Seattle has a Nexus showing that's happening on November 3rd. Um, but basically if, if you can't find a film stop, which if you go to nexusfilm.com, it's like an XUS. I'd actually have to check that. Um, Maybe don't quote me on that, but no, you just look up right. Nexus. Okay, yeah, Nexus Film Ski is a good Google search to use. We will we will link it. Sorry, I awesome. Just yeah, it'd be mic. great to link it. Oh, sorry, um, but the tour uh, tour dates are all listed there, and then it will be streamable online eventually. I think sometime in mid November, and that'll be through the Arcteryx YouTube channel, so people can watch it eventually in the comfort of their own home too. So. I have been toying with the idea of what like putting together my own film festival would look like. And it yeah. is a lot of work. Turns out a lot of work, but maybe if you make a movie next year. <laughs> yeah. It'd be super cool. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah. Shannon Corsi has done such an awesome do job directing this. Um, and I know that it's been, yeah. Cause like she works as a photographer also and producer. And so she's been, just so busy for the past year that I'm I hope she finds like inspiration to do something like this again because it's really cool that she made it happen um but yeah I I hope this opens up opportunities for more people to like try and make something like this happen because it is possible um and it is yeah it's just like really special to be a part of I honestly still can't believe that I got to be a part of Nexus and I'm really thankful to be able to share a story I feel like we have to wrap it up, but that was such like a beautiful note to wrap it up on. I was just like the feels, the feelings. This is dope. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, since we're wrapping it up, like this is kind of, um, I guess, your time to like give any plugs, tell people where to find you, like any of the important details that you would like to share to kind of, yeah. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is just my name, Kristen Norman, but it's spelled a little different. It's K-R-Y-S-T-I-N. Um, and then Norman is N-O-R-M-A-N. But uh, yeah, I, um, I'm trying to think of where else. I mean, yeah, keep an eye out for the Snowpack Scholarship um, and please spread the word to people looking for easier access to avalanche education and also icon passes for women of color. Um, that legacy I hope will live on for a long time. I'll do my best to make sure it exists. And um, yeah, I'm excited like for more people to see Nexus. And um, yeah, I definitely am really motivated to do lots of community work. I'm constantly thinking about ideas to continue to support my community. So if any, anyone ever wants to collaborate on things, I, I would love to kind of spread my wings and, and do more. Um, I have lots of ideas uh, and just obviously, uh, yeah, I'll make it happen, but I need some time to plan stuff. Heck yeah. Any sponsors that you want to shout out? I guess we already talked about K2 skis. We talked yeah. about Icon. Yeah, I've had a lot of awesome support, actually. So basically all of my sponsors also supported uh, Nexus Film, which is super cool. So um, uh, K2 
unfortunately I wasn't able to support Nexus Film directly, but they've been supporting all of the raffles for Nexus and the film tour, which is really awesome. Um, Arcteryx as well for sponsoring me and um, supporting me in a lot of my athletic development. Um, I also have been supported by Wild Rye for a long time, which is really cool. They're an awesome, pretty small women-led or women-led company um, based out of Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, and then Smith Optics, Hest Outdoors, um, all of them have been really awesome in supporting me. And then also Icon Pass and Crystal Mountain, um, just like for giving me a home in Washington. I, I really appreciate being able to ski there and kind of represent the mountain. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and talking Nexus with us because I was so stoked when I saw this movie. I was like, I, I need to do a podcast episode about this film. Yeah, it's awesome. I like, I want to watch it like 10 more times in a row and just keep watching it. It was really awesome. So, yeah, That's a vibe. That is, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could just do that right now. Um, but I think I'll have to wait until I can stream it too. 